Make the most of your Walt Disney World vacation. Top 6 Interesting Details in Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. Hi, I'm Herb Leibacher, and welcome to episode number 127 of the World of Walt podcast. Make the most of your Walt Disney World vacation for the week of October 26th, 2017. This is the podcast for Walt Disney World fans, whether you're planning your next trip or just enjoy reliving a little bit of Disney magic. You will find one in Disneyland, the Magic Kingdom, Tokyo Disneyland, and Disneyland Paris, and for a good reason. The Big Thunder Mountain Railroad is a crowd pleaser that brings the story of a sacred but desecrated mountain to life and takes you on the wildest ride in the wilderness past the mining town of Tumbleweed and the beauty of the mountains that you might see in Utah and Arizona. Today we're going to take a look at the top six interesting details in Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. To help me explore this topic, I'd like to welcome a guy who loves the wild, wild west, Aaron Cohen. Aaron, welcome back. Hello. Thank you for having me back. I'm looking forward to talking about this, uh, spending a little bit of time going past Tumbleweed. At least that's the name of the city at the Magic Kingdom and all of the fun things that you can see at Big Thunder Mountain. Yeah, me too. It's it's one of my favorites. It's a great ride. Um, and it's going to be fun to kind of delve into some of the details about it. Good. So before the main topic for today, our infamous warm-up question, and I think I know the answer you're going to give, but let's see. Uh, what is your favorite classic Future World pavilion? Okay, so so like current classic or just kind of of all time? Uh, your call. Okay, so if we're going to say just of all time, then the answer is Horizons, not even having to think about it. I knew that. And you knew that's what I was going to say. Exactly. Yeah. I mean... Um, this is not news to anyone who's ever talked to me about Epcot at all, ever. Um, Horizons is and will remain to be one of my all-time favorite Walt Disney World attractions. Um, but I've got my, my big face, Haunted Mansion, Pirates of the Caribbean, etc. But Horizons has always been really just up there in that top kind of five. And it's not only that, it's always been one of those attractions that really kind of to me, epitomized what that kind of classic Epcot Center experience was about. Mm. It was educational, it was fun, it was inspiring. Um, it had that kind of fun Disney-esque story while still um, being entertaining this ride um, and still kind of having this, this look at, at a possible possibilities, possible future. And it was just, it was so much fun. And at the end, when you could kind of choose your, your ending, it was really cool. I miss it. Yeah. I think a lot of other people do as, as well. So we miss you, Horizons. Um, for for me, I actually had a, a hard time picking one. I was always a big fan of Horizons. I loved the original Journey into Imagination. I was really a big fan of the universe of energy. Uh, I, I liked the the, the um, preview area where they had the moving, moving cubes. Um, I thought that going past the dinosaurs was great. I thought the fact that your ride vehicles were powered by the solar cells on the roof was amazing, especially way back when. Um, but if I had to pick a favorite, and and maybe it's the obvious choice, I would I might pick Spaceship Earth, which I, I think still holds a lot of what it did way back from opening day. The narration has changed, the ending has changed, but the idea of going through time and seeing how communication has evolved is still a story that unfolds you before you unfolds before you a really important story, and I think Disney does a great job of it. So if I had to pick one, that might be the one for me. Yeah, I think it's it's 
you know, we were limiting it to just current pavilions, that would be the same as well because it's, it's a great ride. It, it's, and again, it kind of hits those points of being entertaining and educational and inspiring. And it's kind of cool that you're riding inside, you know, Spaceship Earth, inside the giant sphere. So yeah. it's, it's, pretty, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I agreed. Good. Well, let's head back over to the Magic Kingdom and dive into our topic for today, the top six interesting details in Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. And Aaron, number one is over to you. So my first one, you'll see almost right before you get on the ride, um, when you're almost done with the queue and you're going down that last ramp and you're about to go left or right to, to get onto the train and the cast member is about to ask you how many new parties, if you turn around and look up, there's this big portrait of this man kind of staring down at you. Um, now, that man is a character by the name of Barnabas T. Bullion. Um, and there's a couple things of interest about that character. Um, the first one is that the portrait itself is based on a former Imagineer, Tony Baxter, um, who created Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. Um, so while the picture, the portrait is technically of a fictional character, it is very much based on a real person. And if you look at pictures of Tony Baxter next to pictures of the Barnabas T. Bullion portrait, it's pretty much the same person. Um, now, in, I believe, 2012, I want to say, um, Disney issued kind of an updated story to um, Big Thunder Mountain, the Magic Kingdom, and that centered around um, the, the Big Thunder Mine and uh, the story of Barnabas T. Bullion. Um, so he kind of factors into the actual background story of the ride, which you may not really know much about just by seeing a portrait. Um, but there's references around other places in the queue. And then the Disney Kingdom's comic book series uh, recently put out a five-issue miniseries, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, which focuses on the Bullion family, um, Barnabas and his daughter. So it kind of tells the story of the ride in the comic book. Um, and one part that I really find interesting about the whole thing is there's this whole kind of larger storyline that's being developed that connects a bunch of different attractions across a bunch of different parks. Um, and that is the Society for Society of Explorers and Adventurers, um, the SEA. And that includes um, Dr. Albert Falls from Jungle Cruise. That includes um, characters from Hong Kong and uh, Tokyo and even Typhoon Lagoon. And Barnabas T. Bullion is also a member of the society. Um, so there's this kind of larger storyline happening that incorporates characters from a bunch of different attractions that they all knew each other and they all explored together. And the different attractions are kind of part of this, this big kind of meta storyline that's happening now. So if you turn around and look up, you'll see Barnabas T. Bullion, and he's just kind of this ties into a whole bunch of different kind of little hidden aspects of the attraction itself. So you hit on a lot of very interesting things there. I, I think the fact that this painting is of Tony Baxter is is quite an honor for him. And you're right, if you look up Tony Baxter on the internet and you compare it to the picture of Barnabas, the painting of Barnabas, it is, it's a dead ringer. <laughs> it, that, yeah, that painting no, absolutely. Is I mean, I mean it's, it's very obviously based on him. And, um, and, and the story of, of 
Big Thunder Mountain, as it has, as it has developed over the years, is that it was a mining, you know, they're mining the mountain, but the mountain itself um, has some supernatural aspects to it, and the miners are warned if they keep digging, there's going to be, you know, crazy things are going to happen, and they didn't listen, and they kept mining, and that resulted in the, um, eventually the, the, the runaway train that you end up riding. Yeah. Um, so, um, it's, and something that you'd never really kind of, really know just by riding the ride, unless you really are reading comic books and following all the news and all this stuff. But it's kind of neat that this one painting can have so many different connotations within different storylines. Yeah. And you mentioned the Society of Explorers and Adventurers. It's it's very interesting that Disney is weaving together a a larger story that crosses parks and crosses attractions and uh, brings together all these different characters. So that might be an interesting topic for a, another day because I think that's also very interesting and we're seeing a, a glimpse oh, yeah, of this, that here. This whole thing fascinates me. I've been following it um, for a while now. And when I was at... Um, Destination D conference last year, it came up um, in the course of the different panels and presentations that happened. And it's fascinating just the way that you've got these different characters and very different attractions in different parks, but it's all kind of, it's all part of the same basic story. And even, you know, even Typhoon Lagoon has, has a character and, and one of the newer attractions in, in, includes it. And it's starting to kind of, Develop threads in a bunch of different things, and it's throughout the Disney parks. And it's it's a fascinating thing to 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 follow. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that we we serious Disney fans enjoy is, is sort of that behind the scenes, behind the scene. And even when it comes to characters and story, I think there are behind the scenes angles to it. I heard something similar about a a thread that connects some of the Pixar films together. Um, there have been some videos about that, which is is interesting because you would think that those those movies are all very, very different, but there are some pieces that can connect one to the other. And if you if you sort of dig into it, maybe you think too much and you make up those pieces. But it's all very interesting to think about those those behind the scenes story points. Yeah, and a lot of Disney movies. I mean, there's there's often references to one another. I mean, there's Mulan references in in Little Stitch, for example. And you know, often if you pay attention, you'll find these kind of hidden little things in, in the other movies. Um, but yeah, I've heard the Pixar thing about how there's this kind of unifying threads that kind of tie them into the same universe a little bit. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, this is a good one. Um, and if you have a chance to ride Big Thunder Mountain and uh, go through the queue, be sure to look for that painting of Barnabas. Um, it's it's a very well-done painting and ties into the, the backstory. Very interesting. Good number one. So number two is over to me. Uh, we almost didn't get Big Thunder Mountain. Uh, we almost got something a little bit different and maybe even a little bit grander. So way back when Disney originally designed and built the Magic Kingdom, there were no plans for Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, I think the Disney designers thought, you know, Florida's kind of close to the Caribbean, so people who are not going to be interested because they could go and see the real Caribbean, why would they want to go and see a Disney-created Caribbean? So they had ideas for something that brought the wild, wild west to the Magic Kingdom, but it wasn't Big Thunder Mountain. It was something called 
the um, Western River Expedition. So the Western River Expedition was designed by Disney Imagineer Mark Davis, who has done a lot of things for the company. The executives at the time, including Roy Disney, liked the concepts that Mark had come up with. And plans were moving along to build this this new super attraction, which actually may have even been two different attractions. Um, there was a, a river piece and there was a, a runaway mine train piece, interestingly enough. Uh, and this all would have been housed in this humongous show building on on the edge of, of the Magic Kingdom. So the, the project, uh, I think, grew in scope and in price. Uh, and, and so the, the money and the will to build it maybe just wasn't there at the time um, when the Magic Kingdom first opened. You know, it, was, it wasn't um, an instant, instant moneymaker. It did fine, but there, there were some questions at the beginning, especially given some of the economic uh, conditions at the time. The other thing that happened, though, is when the Magic Kingdom opened, um, people were constantly asking, where is Pirates of the Caribbean? They had heard about this attraction in Disneyland, and they expected to see one in Florida, which I think took Disney planners and and management a bit by surprise. So the Western River Expedition went on hold, and Pirates of the Caribbean was greenlit and eventually built in the Magic Kingdom. Uh, and, And so... Good ideas never die at Walt Disney. So the, this idea of the runaway mine train from the Western River Expedition, we eventually did get in the form of Big Thunder Mountain. But this concept of Big Thunder Mountain in the Magic Kingdom was not an original uh, design idea. And I think that's all very interesting. Yeah, it is kind of funny to, you know, to, to go back in history and, and see what was planned and how things have changed and, and what ideas... Yeah, got shelved for a while and then got brought back to the forefront. Yeah, and we often one idea plays off another and it morphs into something else. And um, you, you may not get the original idea; you may get something that's gone through a number of revisions and iterations. But all that history is interesting to to hear. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, that was number two. So number three, Aaron, back to you. The next one is you, you kind of have to be familiar with old Disney live-action movies to really appreciate. Um, there's a movie that came out a long time ago, I don't know the year it was released, um, called The Apple Dumpling Gang. Um, one of the more popular of Disney's old um, live-action movies, it starred um, Don Knotts and Tim Conway as kind of bumbling Old West wannabe um, outlaws um, who end up on a series of adventures and a kind of with a group of little kids and, and it's a small Western town and the whole thing. Um, there are actually references to the Apple Dumpling Gang in the queue for Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. Um, I have found three. Um, there is a wanted sign, um, which basically says wanted for attempted bank robbery, et cetera, et cetera. And it um, lists, the characters' names from the movie, um, Theodore Namath. Um, so that's, you can just, it's this big kind of poster that's wanted. Um, there is, then there's a smaller sign at a different point that has kind of hand-drawn pictures of them, like portraits. Um, it's another um, kind of like note as being a lookout for these, these shady characters kind of thing. And it's these kind of hand-drawn mug shots of Theodore and Amos, uh, Don Knotts and Tim Conway. 
Um, and then there's a, um, the last one is a, an advertisement for the Hard Times Cafe, um, which is a reference to the movie. Um, and there's even a, a notice on the ad that says, try the apple dumplings, a special day of the house. So it's just these little nods to this kind of classic Old West comedy that, that Disney put out decades ago. That's interesting. Don Knotts and Tim Conway. There are some names from the past, huh? It's a hilarious movie. I actually watched it not too, too long ago. Yeah. Um, and just wondering, I mean, it's, it's one of those things that, I mean, like I said, I don't remember when it came out, but it was decades ago. It was when Don Knotts and Tim Conway were, you know, acting. Yeah. And, um, it, I mean, it holds up. It's, I mean, it's stupid and it's slapstick, but it's hilarious mm. um, in its own way. So it's one of those things that if you're really into kind of like this, this kind of classic Disney humor and classic Disney live action, it's worth checking out. Huh. Interesting. I, I don't remember ever having watched that movie, but I may have to go and, and check it out because I, I think um, uh, Tim Conway was hilarious. <laughs> he, he's he's a really, really funny guy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Huh. Uh, I mean, the two of them together, it was, it was, it, like I said, it was just, and it's one of those just slapsticky, you know, innocent comedies, but it was it was funny. Huh. Very interesting. It's kind of funny. It's kind of cool that it's it's referenced in this in this attraction. Yeah, it is. The, uh, all those little pieces that end up in one place or another. That's that's really interesting. Okay, that was number three. So number four. One thing that I think is really interesting about Big Thunder Mountain is that there are a lot of parts of the Big Thunder Mountain Railroad experience that fly by very very quickly, and there are two of them which I think are really interesting. But if you blink, you might miss them. So one is that when you are going by the city, which in the Magic Kingdom edition of Big Thunder Mountain is called Tumbleweed, uh, Tumbleweed is being destroyed by a flash flood. And if you go by, um, you will see a building on your left, and the upper floor is illuminated, and there's a party going on in that building. People are are hooting and hollering. People have raised their mugs of drink. Uh, while outside, the, the city is getting ready to be washed away by a flood, which um, is, is very easy to miss. Um, another detail that flies by really quickly, your train is moving fast, is as you near the end of the attraction, near the loading station, you go by this huge skeleton of a dinosaur. And I, I've heard people talk about um, all the places in Walt Disney World where you can see dinosaurs. And Big Thunder Mountain normally doesn't show up on that list because it's another one where if you blink, you'll miss it. But um, you actually almost go through more by the the rib cage and the skeleton, and you can see the head, um, the skull of the dinosaur. And there are all kinds of little attraction or little details all around Big Thunder Mountain. And I think that's one of the things that makes the attraction a lot of fun. Yeah, in fact, it was funny when I was researching um, some stuff for this um, this podcast. Um, I actually looked up the dinosaur, <coughs> excuse me, the dinosaur to see if it had like a name or a backstory or anything. I couldn't find anything. Um, to be fair, I didn't try very hard, but um, I looked for a few minutes and couldn't really find anything. And I'm sure somewhere in some imagineering book, there's a name and there's possibly even a story behind why it's there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did, I did look to see if I could, if I could, you know, toss that bit of trivia out there. Yeah. 
Yeah, it is interesting. One thing I found is that I, I, I believe the names of the cities that appear in the big different the big uh, Thunder Mountain attractions at different Disney parks around the world have different names. So in Florida, the little city which is being destroyed by a flash flood is Tumbleweed, but in other locations, the name of the city is different, and I think that's kind of fun. Yeah, and in fact, um, I know in Paris. Um, the whole Frontierland storyline ties into uh, their haunted mansion, Santa Manor, mm. um, which is in Frontierland because it's part of the their um, uh, Ravenswood is, is the last name of, of the family there instead of Bullion, and it ties in like haunted mansion and because of mountain are much more closely tied in story in Paris than they are in, in domestic parts. Huh. Very interesting. I didn't realize that. That can be on my list of places to visit someday. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's definitely on mine. <laughs> Good. Okay, that was number four, all the details, many of them which fly by really fast. Uh, so number five, Aaron, back to you. All right, so um, there's certain attractions, and Bitcoin Amount is one of them, that I highly recommend people, if they get the chance, to ride during the day and at night. That's because the experience is actually very different, and you wouldn't think so. It's the same rides, the same tracks, the same cars. I mean, what what could what could change? But there's a couple differences, and one of them is is just the ride itself feels faster, rougher. Um, you know, the drops seem seem droppier. Um, and I think it's in part because you can't because it's it's not really well illuminated at night. I mean, there's, there's the, the show lighting, but it's not like there's a big floodlight on, on the track. So you can't really see the, the track very well. So you can't really see what's coming. So during the day, you can see, oh, hey, there's a drop coming up. Oh, hey, you know, there's going to be this kind of curve. And at night, you don't get that kind of advanced view. So it just seems like everything's going much faster, and there's more surprises in the track. So even though it's the exact same track, it's going the exact same speed, um it can feel like, like a different coaster day versus night. Um, there's also some details you really can't see during the day. Um, and that's in part because there's a point when you're outside and you're in the sun and then all of a sudden you go inside into this, you know, cave section and you're not there long enough for your eyes to really adjust. Um, so you don't really see everything when you're back outside again. Um, and last time I was there, actually, we rode during the day, and there's a part early on when you go into this cave and you hear these, these bats squealing and you see these red eyes kind of around. And, you know, it's, you're in a cave and there's bats, and that's what it is. And then we rode it at night, and it's the same cave, and you go in at the same speed, at the same time, etc. But now you can see the bats, and they're just these, these rubber bats kind of, you know, flying around, and there's some black light um, accents on them to make them kind of pop, and you just don't see it because it's happening so fast, and your eyes aren't adjusting between light and dark that fast. Yeah, you, you completely miss them. Um, and actually, your, the, the party thing that you mentioned, um, I've heard it's easier to see at night because the windows are, are lit up, mm-hmm. so you can see like the silhouettes of the people partying. Where during the day it's not quite as clear. So there are some details that you just you can't see um, during the day that you can at night, but also some of the external stuff is much easier to see 
like some of the animals, like the goats and all that, are much easier to see during the day because you've got natural light. So it really is worth riding it during the day and at night and kind of appreciating what you can see each time. I agree. And I think this is a great point. Um, everything from the exterior lighting on the mountains itself, which is beautiful at the nighttime, but also beautiful in a different way during the day. And your, the point about your eyes being adjusted to the parts that are indoors, I think is very true. Um, I think that's true of the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. Uh, I, and oddly, I think it's true of Space Mountain, even though you are inside for the entire time. If you ride that attraction at night when your eyes have adjusted to the nighttime, you see a lot more than you do in the daytime, um, even though you are inside for the entire duration of that attraction. So I think there are a lot of reasons to visit this and a lot of other Disney attractions, both at the daytime and the nighttime, because you really do get different experiences. Yeah, Definitely. Okay, that was number five. So number six, back over to me. So a few years ago, Disney um, made some updates to Big Thunder Mountain. And one of the things they did is added some interactive elements to the queue. So one of the elements I think is is fun are, are canaries that you can see. So there's uh, a saying, the canary in the coal mine, because miners would carry canaries with them. Canaries are sensitive to certain gases that will kill people, but canaries are even more sensitive, so they would die um, before these gas levels would get to a, a, a level that would harm a human. So miners would often have canaries with them. And there's a part in the standby queue where you can see animated canaries. There is a spot where there are some some demolition points where you look out into the final bend of the attraction. And to be honest, I have not been very good at sort of figuring out <laughs> getting those demolition things to work, but I, I trust that they do in some sort of combination. Uh, and one of my favorite parts of the standby queue are the zoetropes where you can spin um, a lever and it makes sort of a movie that, that uh, gets animated. So I, I've got to admit that for the most part, I am a fast pass guy for Big Thunder Mountain. I uh, enjoy the traction a lot. I get to visit it quite often, often do so in a fast pass. But if you don't have a fast pass for it, there are some fun things to see in the interactive queue. And if if even if you do prefer to do Big Thunder Mountain with a fast pass, uh, maybe sometime try to get there early in the day and check out the interactive elements in the standby queue. Yeah, and what's interesting is that you won't necessarily see them all, even if you're in standby, unless it's really busy. Um, the first time I rode it after they incorporated all these new things, because it wasn't that busy of a day, um, half the queue, what, they didn't have half the switchbacks open. Mm-hmm. They kind of just went right through. So I didn't even see the demolition stuff at first until later on. Um, and, and that's neat. You kind of spin a thing, and you, you drop a lever, and you watch, and there'll be a little puff of smoke coming from somewhere um, out on the, um, on the mountain. Um, so, you know, while I'm not suggesting, you know, you sit there waiting in line when it's super busy, um, it is kind of interesting that, that different times can yield different experiences depending on which parts of the, of the queue are open. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've seen that as well. You're, you're right. Even if you do go standby, certain sections of the queue may not be open, which is good because that means you get onto the main attraction sooner. But in a way, right, you, you might miss point. out. Yeah, yeah it would, exactly. It's the whole point. Uh, but you might miss out on some of these things that you, you could have a chance to see otherwise. So uh, before we do the, the recap, one of my Big Thunder Mountain stories is that um, I have on, I think, two occasions 
gone to Big Thunder Mountain first thing in the morning, right after the park opens. And right after the park opens, a lot of people will head towards Seven Dwarfs Mine Train these days. They'll go to Tomorrowland. People tend to hang a right. Uh, But if you go to Frontierland right as the park opens, it's often more deserted than the other sections of the park. And I've had a couple chances where I've gotten on where there there pretty much was not a, a, wide, a line of people waiting to get back into the, the trains. And the cast members were just letting people stay on. And if you wanted to just ride again and again and again, you could. And my wow. record was six. Uh, so, Ooh, yeah, yeah. So that was that was a lot of fun. So no guarantees that can happen. And on a busy day, I imagine it can't. But if you are there on a less busy day and you go first thing in the morning, there could be a chance that you would not have to get off the train and could just ride it several times in a row without having to go back through the queue. Again, no guarantees, but um, that's happened to me, and it was a lot of fun. I once rode it five times over the course of a day. Uh, and that was getting off and going back on each time. It wasn't just you know, staying on the train. Yeah. Um, it was one of my brother's favorite, favorite attractions when we were growing up. Um, so my brother, my dad, and myself would go on. My mom doesn't like it. She wouldn't go on it. Mm. Um, so we were there with my grandparents, and my, my you know grandmother and my mom would wait um, off the ride for us to get off the ride. And there was one day when they just kind of wanted to go off to do their own thing, and my dad and my brother and I just kept riding it. We just you know got off. We're like, oh, hey, there's a line. Let's go back on it. And we got back on it. And so you beat me. So I only did a five. You didn't stick. <laughs> um, it's just one of those attractions that it's just fun. It's like, I'm going to go do it again. Yeah. Yeah, it is a lot of fun. Um, there, there's a good reason why there are normally long lines for it, and it's because it's just a, a great attraction. So it, it's worth doing multiple times for all the reasons that we talked about, especially the day versus night one, because you really do get different experiences. That was a good point. Yeah, there's a few, but that's definitely one of them. Yeah. Okay, interesting list. Top six interesting details in Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. Number one, the painting of Barnabas T. Bullion. Number two, the history of the Western River Expedition. Number three, the references to the Apple Dumpling Gang. Number four, all of the details that fly by. Number five, the different experience you get day versus night. And number six, all the fun things to do in the interactive queue. So Aaron, fun list. I appreciate your joining me. If if people are interested in learning about what you're up to these days, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, well, they can head on over to my website, uh, blog. Uh, it is Magic and Misadventures. Uh, so if they head on over to magicandmisadventures.com, um, that is kind of the main blog site. That's where I post... Um, I kind of update regularly. Um, you know, it's, it's not a set time. It's kind of what I have to say. Um, but it's, it's mostly Disney parks related. It's just kind of my thoughts. It can range from, you know, ranting and raving about something changing. It can be um, writing about why I agree with some changes. It can be, you know, lamenting about changes to Epcot. It can be... Um, trip advice, do-it-yourself advice, all sorts of different things. Um, and from there, they can also find um, links to social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, but if they head to magicmisadventures.com, they'll find a blog, and that's what I do. And I always enjoy reading about your take. Um, you often dive into the details and provide a lot of backstory and insight, and that's one of the, the things that I really enjoy about Magic and Misadventures. So thanks for sharing that with all of us. Well, thank you for have me on. Let me plug it. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, Aaron. I, as as always, it was a lot of fun to talk Disney with you. Thank you very much. No, thanks. 
head out today to some of the background loop music from Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. And yes, we have made it through the list of the top six interesting details in Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. However, our conversation doesn't need to be over. I'd love to hear what you think about our list. Do you have a different idea or something you'd like to add? You can do that by visiting the show notes page at worldofwalt.com slash 127, a page that will work well on your desktop, tablet, and smartphone. Leave your comment in the comment section and check out what other people think as well. I'd like to thank everyone who's been in touch with me, and I'd like to invite you to follow me on social media, facebook.com slash worldofwalt and pinterest.com slash worldofwalt. If you enjoyed today's podcast, I would appreciate it if you would spread the word. Tell your family and your friends about it. To wrap up for today, as always, I would like to give you a heartfelt thank you for spending some of your time with me. I'd also like to thank everyone who visits the worldofwalt.com site where you can read interesting Disney articles and chat with other folks who enjoy Disney in the comments sections. By listening here and by visiting the site, you allow me to share the fun of Disney with you. And that is very cool. Thank you for being a part of it. So until next time, my friend, may God bless you. So there's a great big beautiful tomorrow Shining at the end of every day There's a great big beautiful tomorrow Just a dream away